Okay, y'all, so I got some questions for you. Are we alone? Do aliens really exist? Now, the existence of extraterrestrial life has captured our collective imagination for generations. Now, those who claim to have had encounters believe what they saw, but what does the evidence actually show? Right, the new show from the Parcast Network, Extraterrestrial, examines these stories, analyzing possible scientific explanations and determining what really may have happened and whether or not we are really alone. Now, as I said, Extraterrestrial comes to you from the Parcast Network. They are the storytelling team behind hit shows like Unexplained Mysteries, Serial Killers, and Conspiracy Theories. Now, this is the first part of the first episode. If you like what you hear, subscribe to Extraterrestrial to hear the remainder of this episode. Just search Extraterrestrial wherever you listen to podcasts. That's E-X-T-R-A-T-E-R-R-E-S-T-R-I-A-L. Or visit parcast.com slash extraterrestrial to start listening now. This episode features discussion of abduction and torture that some people may find offensive. Listener discretion is advised, especially for children under 13. On the night of September 19, 1961, Betty and Barney Hill couldn't have possibly anticipated the cosmic, terrifying direction their road trip would take. They had been headed home to Portsmouth, New Hampshire after visiting Niagara Falls. As they drove through the isolated White Mountains, something impossible had happened. But at the moment, neither could remember just what that was. They were paralyzed, frozen. There was a roadblock. At first, they thought it was the police. But the lights were brighter than any cop car. Suddenly, through a surge of orange and red light, the couple could make out figures in the road. The figures approached both sides of the car. Barney and Betty were still frozen, their minds filled with fresh horror as the figures came into view. They weren't police. They weren't even men. Their eyes were black and slanted, practically wrapping around the sides of their heads. And their uniforms were not that of highway troopers, shiny and black like nothing either of the hills had ever seen. The figures opened the car doors. They began to pull the couple from their vehicle. Neither of the hills understood what was happening, and soon they wouldn't remember anything happening at all. But in these fleeting moments of consciousness, Betty at least thought she knew exactly what she was experiencing. They were being kidnapped by aliens from another world. Are we alone? Have we been alone? Will we be alone? Stories of alien visitation have been ingrained in human history. Alien life may not be confirmed, but our obsession with it can't be ignored. Welcome to Extraterrestrial on the ParCast Network. Every Tuesday, we visit the marvelous and strange stories about our encounters with beings from another world and discuss how much validity there are to these stories. I'm your host, Bill Thomas. And I'm Tim Johnson. Today, we're discussing the abduction of Betty and Barney Hill, two Americans who claimed to have been accosted by a UFO as they were driving home one night in 1961. 
In September 1961, while returning home to New Hampshire from a trip to Niagara Falls, middle-aged American couple Barney and Betty Hill claimed to have been abducted and experimented upon by an alien crew. This week, we'll learn Barney's full story following his attempts to recall his lost memories and cope with the resulting trauma. His sessions with psychiatrist and hypnotist Dr. Benjamin Simon remain some of the most chilling accounts of an alien encounter available to the public. Next week, we'll follow Betty's side of the story as she recovers memories of her own and attempts to convince skeptics. Ultimately, the Hills would become the grandparents of the American UFO phenomenon, the first people to report abduction by aliens from another world. The beginning of modern space exploration is difficult to pinpoint exactly. However, the launch of the satellite Sputnik 1 by the Soviet Union in 1957 was one of the most significant events in the timeline. The artificial sphere was not even two feet in diameter. It orbited the Earth for only a few months. It carried no weapons, no computer. It was, in essence, a glorified flying radio. But Sputnik had an inestimable impact on the human subconscious. As Americans watched reports of the spacecraft on their newfangled television sets, they felt awe, but also dread. Dread at the capabilities of the USSR. Dread at the Earth's insignificance in the cosmos. Dread that aliens might really be out there. For obvious reasons, the 1957 launch of Sputnik led to an increase in sightings of unidentified flying objects. Whether or not these reports were valid, one thing was for sure. Humanity was spending a lot more time looking up in wonder at the stars. Sitting at his father-in-law's home in Kingston, New Hampshire, Barney Hill had no idea that in just four years' time, he would be the first man to report abduction by a UFO. It was a clear night in 1957. Barney, 35, was with his wife Betty and her family, the Barretts. The stars were out in full force. Such a view prompted Betty's father to suggest that he had seen Sputnik, the Russian satellite, pass by recently. The sister-in-law chimed in. She lived nearby, and on a night as clear as this, she had seen a genuine UFO. It was long and cigar-shaped, and it was orbited by other smaller craft. Betty became excited and shared how she had been reading that scientists thought there was the possibility of life on other planets. It was just a matter of time before they used their telescopes to find one of these civilizations. Barney didn't add to the conversation. He was skeptical of it all. As a black man, he had grown up in a country that looked down on him. Barney had to work hard for what he had in life. The Barretts had too, but they were white, and so in his mind, they hadn't experienced the same obstacles. By 1961, Barney, now 39, was working as a dispatcher for the post office. It was a long night shift that demanded constant effort. Even worse, it required that Barney drive 60 miles for his commute, as he and Betty now lived in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. He couldn't help but wonder what lay waiting in the dark of the woods as he drove to work at night. He followed his night shifts with volunteer work as a legal redress chairman for the NAACP. Betty joined him in this as an assistant secretary. The couple fought for their rights as well as the rights of others. Betty, 42, was a social worker. She believed in helping people. In college, it had been about fighting for an integrated student body. As an adult, she worked welfare cases. Barney admired her courage. 
Considering how hard they had been working, Barney pitched a spur-of-the-moment trip. They'd take the car and the money they had in their pockets and drive to Niagara Falls, then return down through the White Mountains. Their route formed a perfect loop going west out of New Hampshire and returning from the north after exiting Canada. It was a much-needed trip, and for the most part, it went off without a hitch. Four days later, they were on their way back home, refreshed and ready to jump back into their hectic schedules. It was September 19, 1961, a Tuesday. The sun had long since gone down, and Barney and Betty Hill were alone on the road, surrounded by thick trees on either side. Barney was all about punctuality. He had pushed Betty into hitting the road quickly that night. Beforehand, he had written down the mileage of the car, and he wanted to see how fast they could reach home and what the exact distance was, traveling only slightly above the speed limit, of course. He had enjoyed this trip they had taken together, but it was time to get back into the real world. They drove a 1957 Chevrolet Bel Air. The car had chrome paneling that glowed in the moonlight. The surrounding mountains had witnessed millennia of change in this valley. To the mountains, the automobile was an alien a shining, roaring contraption that would have been impossible just a few decades before. If the Earth is a speck in the universe, the hills were a speck in the White Mountains. Betty held her dachshund, Delcy, in her lap. The dog was asleep, uninterested in the dark forests whipping by outside. Barney smiled at the sight of them. But Betty began to look slightly concerned. She shifted in her seat, placing the dog on the floor. She tapped Barney, pointing to the rear view. She was bothered by a light that had suddenly appeared between the full moon and Jupiter. He shrugged. It was probably just one of the new satellites the government had been launching. Barney pulled over so they could get out and look at the craft with their binoculars. He held Delcy's leash while the dog peed and allowed Betty to observe the craft. That's not a satellite, she said. Annoyed, he handed her the leash and took the binoculars for himself. Holding them to his face, he was surprised to find that the light was moving, fast. Oh well, must just be a plane then. Only he would have expected any planes to be headed north toward Canada. This one was making circles above the mountains to the west. He couldn't hear any engine or any propellers. Probably just a plane though. He hurried Betty back into the car. They continued along. Barney didn't want any further interruption. He wanted to make good time on the road. But then Betty was up in her seat again, looking through the rear view. He looked too, and was surprised to see that the light was still there. And it seemed to be following them. Barney quickly pulled over again. Getting out, he observed the craft once more. It almost seemed to hover. Suddenly, it streaked across the sky, flying far past their car and up above Cannon Mountain. Barney, Betty said. That's not a plane. His anger grew. Well, what the hell else could it be? Then he realized Betty thought this was a UFO. He rolled his eyes, gesturing to get back in the car. As they continued along, so did the light, weaving in and out of mountains and forest. Barney thought that a military plane shouldn't be following them like this. He was going to call and report it when they got home. It did bother him that it moved so fast and that he couldn't make out propellers or hear a sound. But Betty was being silly. This wasn't some UFO. That was nonsense. He wished it would just make a sound. He wished he could hear it so badly. Betty just kept going on. It's not a plane. 
Look, look. She said she could see it through the clouds. She said it was huge and glowing. This only made him more worried. Betty wasn't usually like this. She didn't just make things up. The light ricocheted across the sky, changing direction at a whim, moving in forward and reverse. He pulled over for the third time. While Betty was busy looking at the sky, he reached for the glove compartment and pocketed the pistol he kept inside. Fuming, trying to hide his fear, he jumped out, moving to the back of the car. He popped the trunk and removed a tire wrench. Betty continued to question him, to point out that it couldn't be a plane. Couldn't she just be quiet for one moment while he thought? Maybe he could flag it down, brandish his wrench to show he wasn't afraid. Maybe... Both ducked down as something bright, loud, and massive swung across the road, not 100 feet ahead of them. They watched as it flew over the tree line and into a nearby field. Then, they turned to look at each other. It definitely wasn't a plane. If you enjoyed that clip, you can hear the entire first episode by subscribing to Extraterrestrials wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to rate and review it. And thanks for listening.